Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. How's everybody today? (laughs) Well, today I have a very special guest, probably the most important human being to me in the entire world, even though I probably don't tell her that enough. (laughs) But today I have the pleasure of introducing to you all and chatting with the woman who gave me life, the one and only Krisha Curry-Lowitz. So here we go. Okay, so it's kind of cool that you're here mom yes i am how's it going pretty good <laughs> um so for everyone listening um i wanted to bring my mom on the show because she's my number one fan and she's hilarious and she has quite an incredible story that's really like rubbed off on all of her children um she's kind of like the ultimate mother in my eyes and um She has a really interesting story, and I think you all need to know why I am who I am today and where my, who who my biggest teacher, who's my mother, what she's taught me throughout my life. So, mom, welcome. (laughs) Um, To get things, I guess, started off, like, I think it's important to maybe talk about your childhood a little bit. So, so let's do that. What? was your childhood like? Well, I grew up in, uh, for the times, it was probably pretty normal childhood. Uh, in the suburbs, we lived in a half double. We emigrated uh, to Canada from England when I was four. and uh, Which was like in like 19... In the late 50s. In the late, okay. And <clears throat> we, uh, we ended up living in a thousand square foot bungalow with my parents, my two brothers, and both sets of grandparents, basically. So we was like lots of family living together. And uh, my father and mother both worked. And uh, it was an interesting dynamic because everybody sort of took part in the raising of, of us kids. And I was an extremely sensitive child, and I used to cry a lot because mm-hmm. I felt like the whole world was... Anything that happened was always about me. It was always my fault. So if people were happy, things were great. Um, I, uh, things would were very good. That was fine. But if things were not good, I always thought it was my fault. Like was that like the entire uh, your entire recollection? Like you are one of the few people in the world that can remember the most intimate, the most specific details of your life when you were a kid like for me it's the complete opposite like I forget almost my whole life (laughs) but like when we have we talk about these stories like you can remember that stuff it's so crazy right because I think it was I was very impacted by it okay um I I literally I used to ask people all the time like do you like me you know I was very 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 insecure 
Um, my mom, uh, my parents did their best. They're loving as far as they could be. Yeah. But my mom was sort of rule the roost, and my father was a more kind-hearted person. Um, yeah, so just to back up there, um, your parents were war from that's Poland. That's right, exactly. And they suffered through some pretty intense things through World War II. Um, and so that kind of shaped who they are, and then in turn, how they raised you. Yeah, to me, exactly. Yeah, okay. That's right, yes. So um, that was sort of the dynamic. And I ended up leaving home at the age of 18. uh, I was married, got married when I was 18 years old. Um, In those days, that was not uncommon. Lots of girls got married my age or even younger. Yeah. Um, Which seems insane to me right now. Like, holy crap. I mean, I got married at 26 and I thought I was young. Right. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened. And, and, uh, um, well... Of course, I had you kids. I had started having children when I was 23. Um, and life kind of progressed. It, things went very well. Everything was hunky-dory. And then, of course, my that marriage ended up in divorce um, after 21 years, which totally devastated me again. Um, but it's funny because at that point in my life, I was at the strongest that I'd ever been and, and pretty had started doing things like running marathons and mm-hmm. sort of my life had you were cycling exactly and you were like partying i just remember like yes i do recall that i felt very strong and powerful and beautiful and like uh and and that's when my husband chose to leave me so uh it was kind of an interesting thing that happened in that sense then i met gary my current husband and uh he sort of was a person that really helped me become the person that I am today in many, many ways, because he just allowed me to be myself. He's the most kindest, uncritical partner that anybody could ever wish for. And he did a great job, obviously, with you guys, because you were very young when your father left. So there was a whole dynamic of, of crisis for me to get over and be really between Gary and I. We raised you from the time you were you were what, 13? I was like, like when, oh, when I, Gary when, came into the world. Yeah, I think you were 13 Yeah, years like 13, old. 14. Yeah. yeah. And your brother was maybe 10 or 11. And uh, your sister was like uh, maybe 15 or 16. So from that time on, like things, my life has certainly, helped, uh, things have gotten a lot better for me. And, uh, and uh, um, I'm uh, very much a different person. I still was very sensitive up until that point, but it, it's funny when you are with somebody who d- isn't critical of you and is supportive of what you do. Um, it really helps you become a, um, a happier person in many respects as well. Yeah, for sure. When when I was like, from the kid's perspective, I mean, Gary is definitely a hoot. <laughs> yes, um, he is. <laughs> <laughs> definitely wins stepped out of the year award. Yes. <laughs> a thousand times over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that like I learned from him that was different from other relationships like with you and and my dad and then like other parents was like, yeah, it did. He didn't care what you did ever. You just did what you did when you wanted to do it, how you wanted to do it. And in turn, he did the same, like you were the same with him. So that was like one of the first times that I really experienced a relationship like that. I didn't understand it. I was against it. I was like, what the hell is this? How come you're not mad at her for doing that? How come that doesn't bother you? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I mean, yeah, there's 
I'm sure some intricacies within your relationship that drive you absolutely crazy, like in all relationships, but for the most part, it's very, very positive. Yes. Yeah. 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 And has grown and evolved and yeah. So, so Mm. what, what changed all that? Mm. Well, the big change for me, so I started to sort of get into self-development at a fairly like when in my 30s probably around your age I yeah. think because I wanted to it's like figure, prime time it's, it's prime, prime time, time. <laughs> yeah because you've done you've done your 20s stuff and yeah. then you want to figure out what life is about and yeah. how does your brain work and how how do you get where you are and yeah. how, how does and all why that... did it happen exactly. like this and exactly. why like how can yes. I make it better yep yes so many people I know in, in our 30s like all of my friends are in this they're starting to get into it. However, some people aren't at all. Like they no. just choose to live sure. the way they want, whatever. But sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. So I started to, I, I, I wanted to not be so hurt all the time. Like, cause it, like, think about it. If you're crying almost every day because, or you're always worried about what people think, or you're always worried about, um, if you, why that person doesn't like you things like that. Like I wanted to, I still am kind of like that. I want to be liked by everybody, but, um, basically I, I, I wanted to not be so upset and emotional all the time. Yeah. Like you needed a lot of validation. From- I always needed validation. Yeah. And, um, real, I, I, I got a lot of help from that book that you read too. The, 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 four, uh, agreements? the four agreements. Yeah. Yes. So for those of you that don't know, the four agreements is like, Essentially, my Bible, it's by Don Miguel Ruiz. It's a must read. The Four Agreements, you got to get it. And then, you know, every podcast from here on in that you listen to of mine will make even more sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, okay, sorry. So, and, and one of the number, the number of the first agreement, I think, is... Um, don't take anything personally. It's one, yeah, that's like, number one. No, that's number one. Yeah, don't take anything personally. So that's what I was doing my entire life. So there's a certain freedom to to ceasing to do that, um, or at least try to, because it's hard sometimes. Obviously, it, it, things will affect you no matter. Some things will, no matter, you can't erect, you can't stop it sometimes. But I mean, I was taking everything personally. Yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things that, that since I've tried to change, I tried to change it and, um, um, and my life has been much better. And, um, so that's, that's that. And I think one of the most profound things that has happened to me in the last, certainly in the last, in the just near past was um when my father died uh he's he died in january six years ago this coming january and i can't believe it's been six years i know he, like like just to give a little background here uh, my grandfather we're polish we call him jaju um he was like a rock he was a pillar in the family you know he would sing the five golden rings at our Christmas. He was everyone's go-to guy, just like the best human being in the planet. Um, when he was in the room, you just felt warm. You felt happy. He had so many friends. He was like the friendliest, most genuine person. And yeah, there was a big void when absolutely. he passed. Yes. And you and your dad were very close. Yes, like, we were. Yes, yes. absolutely. And, um, 
And when he passed, that's sort of when my own vulnerability came to light because um, being in my late 50s, there are a lot of things in the world in, in my life that I had not done that I always wanted to do. So, like, uh, for example, for example, <laughs> own a horse. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so I, I should probably paint this picture too, because you used to ride when you were younger. Yes, I did. And yeah. Then, when I was in my, in my twenties, after I had all you kids, I, 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 I did ride for a while, but then you uh, yeah. developed a serious allergy to horses and yeah. I couldn't come. I couldn't. I, so I, had, I ended up having to, uh, to stop. And I, I, ne- I really never rode after that. Yeah, so I'm 100% very much allergic to horses. I think it's horse dander. I don't know, but I was like in the hospital. It was a mess when I was a kid. So I was like, one of the reasons you had to give up your passion. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. That's right. And and so when my father passed away, um, a light bulb clicked. And I saw on Facebook there was um, uh, something that I wasn't aware of. And that is the horse slaughter industry and it devastated me. And I remember feeling very upset about it and wanted to do something about it. Yeah. And this horse ended up coming up, uh, for basically saved to be saved from slaughter type thing. And I, I decided that I was going to bite the bullet and I was going to, I obviously discussed it with Gary and everything. And we decided that we were going to save this horse and I was going to get back into my passion of riding and, having that dream of something that I wanted my entire life. I I totally remember that. You were like, should I do it? Should I not do it? I can't believe this is happening. I have to do something. This needs to happen. And then it happened. And it was, yeah, it was wonderful. It was very cool. And, uh, the horse that I, that I saved was, uh, we, we, we named her Frankie after my dad <laughs> yeah. and she was, she was actually a delightful horse, but unfortunately was, had started to develop a, a blindness. And, um, so she was, she could get spooked easily and, uh, she had, she was, uh, ridden by the, not ridden, she was a cart horse from the Amish and, um. So she had never been ridden. So I was sort of slowly trying to got, got her used to saddle and, and that sort of thing. You were trying to break her to ride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways, um, I had a terrible and catastrophic accident with that horse. Yes. Um, I went into her stall with a large, white, crinkly plastic bag of shavings and, and you were doing this because it was getting to be cold and you were right. trying to line um, her stall. Yeah, I wanted to, I was getting her, I'd spent the whole day with her, I had a wonderful day and I just was actually going to leave, but I, wanted, I thought she needed more shavings in her stall. Yeah, because this was in the night. This, it was in this the, accident that you're about to talk about, like the accident she's about to talk about right now is like one of the most like profound things that's ever happened to my life as well as my siblings' lives. Like this was... A crazy accident. Yes. <laughs> I might cut you off a few more times in this uh, episode, but you you almost died. That's right. You oh, you basically yeah. died. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. It was very it was very difficult. What because what so, happens yeah, when okay. I went in with that ba- bag? Um, she she uh, went into uh, the flight or fr- fright um, thing and she kicked me. And she was a big horse. She was a, a workhorse, so she had very large feet. And she ended up um, hitting me in the in the in the back of my. So was ribs. your her hind legs kicked back and and yeah, hit she you. kicked me. Yeah, yeah, she hit me in my back, 
and um she hit you in your back with one foot do you know where the other foot kicked no she didn't only got me with one she only got you with one yeah but then she must she knocked, have hit. She was in such a panic. She knocked down the, the stall door. She, she actually knocked out the barn door and flew out of the barn. Like, that's how terrified she was yeah. of what I had. So it was, my, it was my fault. Like, I should never have done that. It was a big, it was a rookie mistake. Um, but it, it goes to show you that um, when you're dealing with anything, like anything, it's all, it's a mistake. It was it's a mistake. present in the moment. You exactly. like think like you were just exactly. doing, I should what, have taken her out of the stall, put the shavings in, put yes. her back in the stall. Yes. I made a, a big mistake. So what happened with that hoof is that it, um, think about the size of a horse hoof, um, right now and think about that penetrating through the backside of someone's rib cage. So basically what happened was my mom, she had something called flail chest. Um, so you can Google that if you want to, but um, basically what happened was the horse kicked six, was it six? It was, I had six bro- ribs broken, broken in, 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 ten, two, in 10 places. Yeah, it was essentially on both sides. So like, like, it was like a hoof it was print of each rib. Yeah, out. <laughs> each rib was broken in two places. So the yeah. rib, what happens when your rib cage, when you take a breath, your rib cage expands. I'm talking about flail chest here. And when you have, when your when your actual rib is broken in two places, so um, the it's bone floating. is free floating. Yeah. What happens when your lungs expand and your rib cage expands? That bone that's been broken stays and penetrates the lung. The lung, exactly. So you can't breathe. Essentially, you have you had five or five and a half ribs penetrating your lung as you were trying to breathe, right. laying on the stall floor. Right. Um, also, the um, horse broke your foot or your shin yes. or your knee yeah. or yeah. whatever. She stepped All- on me on her way out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So what did you do? Oh, I, I couldn't do anything. I just lay there. They, there were other people in the barn. They called 911, obviously. And they, and we have, that's one of the great things about Canada is we do have great care. Yeah. But when you're, when you're in dire straits like I was, they took excellent care Do you remember like how long it took for the ambulance to get there? 20 minutes, half an hour. And so what happened in that space? Like, what were you doing? What were you I just thinking? Was were you trying just... to breathe because my lung had collapsed. Yes. Um, and I just was, tr- I was in terrible pain, obviously, and just trying to breathe. I didn't know, I, I knew my ribs were broken, but I didn't realize the extent of it and how bad it was. Like, were so, you in pain? Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, so were you suffering on the floor there yeah, a little bit? definitely. Yes. Yeah. Now, in the ambulance, they gave me, they did give me some uh, painkiller of some sort. Yeah. And I don't know, they, as soon as, as soon as I got to the hospital, they, they had to reinflate my lungs. So what they, they put a chest tube in immediately. Mm-hmm. And that when, what that does is it basically creates a negative pressure so that your lung starts to expand again after okay. it's collapsed. Um, they, they, they saved my life. Basically I was in hospital for a month. You were in intensive care for like, t- like 10, 10 days. days or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Like, holy. Okay. So I, when this all happened, I was actually in British Columbia. I was coaching at the time. I was at an event out, um, out in BC and, uh, I get this phone call from Gary and he, he was like kind of, kind of shocked. Like he wasn't frantic. Actually, he was, he was very concerned. He, he couldn't talk very well. Like he was your mom was in an accident and I like, I was like, holy shit. Like that's never, that's never the kind of news that you ever want to hear from anybody. And obviously immediately I went worst case scenario and it was pretty bad. Like 
flail chest, the statistics are insane. It's something like 5% of people that have flail chest survive. It's, it's a big, it's a big injury. It's a huge injury. So, um, then of course, like Yan, my brother and Yasha, my sister, we were on the phone texting nonstop because I was far away. I'm like, should I come home? Should I fly home? Like, what? like it was at night too. It was That's in the right. evening. Yeah. But in for, November. Yeah, yeah, it was in November in the evening. But for me, I was three hours time zone earlier. So I was like, I don't think anyone slept until. Yeah. But I remember, I remember that night though, you called me. I actually talked to you on the phone. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember that. No. You, I was under some big drugs. Yeah, but you hadn't gone into surgery or anything yet, mm-hmm. but I did talk to you and it gave me like enough comfort just to be able to like, I don't know, breathe myself. Mm-hmm. So that was like, that was intense. That was very intense. And then Yasha came the next day. So my sister came from where she lives. She lives two hours away and was kind of like our our like reporter. Mm -hmm. She was our, our eyes and ears and basically updated us crazy. So after that you survived, you went through a 20 million little mini surgeries. You have Mm -hmm. like, um, a Terminator rib, um, like metal. You should see freaking x-rays. It's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. Um, yeah. But my big goal after this whole process was to still continue to have my dream of having a horse. Yeah. So that is so funny because I'm going to cut you off again, but me, the siblings, let's call it your kids were like so against that. We were so afraid of losing you. We almost lost you that we were like, if you go near a horse again, we will probably kill you ourselves. Like we were like petitioning. I swear to God, you should have seen the text. We have like these family group texts which are hilarious most of the time, but like in this scenario, it was like hard. No mom, you're not going back. But what happened? Um, I decided that of course there's a lot of fear. Like the first time I saw Frankie, like I couldn't walk or do much for a long time. My recovery was took, it took a long time. Yeah. And it wasn't until like this accident happened the end of November. And basically I didn't see Frankie again until uh, probably March of the spring, following spring. And I remember she was so happy to see me. Like she was thrilled. And I was so ter- like the panic and the fear was so great. I was literally shaking from head to toe, yeah. just shaking. And I thought, I am going to get over this. I am not going to spend my life being terrified because an accident happened. Yeah, I want to ride. I want to live that dream. And I will not allow this fear to stop me. So, yeah, I ended up having her for a year total. And um, in the in the long run, I never did ride her. I never I never could ride her only because she uh, she wasn't broke to ride. And I wasn't confident enough to be able to do it. But I did find a home for her, and I, I got a second horse, an off-the-track racehorse, um, who I named Val because he had this a beautiful, he was a black um, thoroughbred with a white heart on his forehead. So, so I named him Valentino and called him Val. And he was the love of my life, and he was a, a perfect horse for me to get my confidence back and get my my oomph back. And uh, I, I just... Uh, 
I, it's probably my proudest thing that I've ever done. And that is to overcome that accident and overcome mm-hmm. the fear and li- end up living um, a joyous, lo- lovely life with horses. Um, and because otherwise, I think a, a lot of people would not be able to do that because I mean, people fall off horses and then don't have enough nerve to ever get back on again, that sort of thing. Absolutely. You know? And it's not just horses. It's everything. Like it's, it's sort of... It's one of those things that um, I think if you really love something and want to do it, you can't let fear stop you. And so the accident and going through all of this stuff, you've told me before, it's like um, you, there comes a point in that you almost surrender. Yes. There's like a serenity to life and you're like, this is not in my control. I'm just not going to be stressed about what's happening. I'm just going to let it be what it is, go with the flow. And that, um, you said something about the fear of death. What, right. tell me about that. And that, that is another thing that happened as a result of this accident is that I, I think I, I really do feel like I came close to death. And even throughout that whole process of lying on that barn floor and go, going to the hospital and going through all the stuff I went through in the hospital and the recovery process and the pain and the everything, um, I realized that I I know that I could have died at, at many at many times during that process, and yeah. so my and I was okay with it. Like I was fine. Like I seriously was fine. So I'm. It's helped me focus on what is important in life, and I think yeah. having a, a profound experience like that is does affect you in that way. It's like a shock wave. It's almost Absolutely. like your heart stops, restarts, new exactly. new go here exactly. Yeah. So what's important? What's important in your life? Yeah. What's important is is love and people. Things are not important. Things are just stuff. And boy, now at my age, especially, you see, you know, you acquire so much, and then you die, and people are just throwing it all in the garbage. Like it means nothing. Things mm-hmm. mean nothing. You are number one responsible for your own happiness and you can make like Don Luell says make it heaven your life heaven on earth but mm-hmm. it's a choice it, I really really believe that it's a choice so the fear of death and this whole overcoming the accident like that's your biggest lesson then is absolutely so I kind of just I kind of want to talk about what happened because post accident for anyone that's curious you know yes she you know had a, a crazy recovery, but there was always pain. You're yes, always dealing with pain. pain. Correct. So there was like this weird thing happening. I'm going to talk about the accident 2.0, like the okay. second part. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most insane thing ever. Actually, because Adele was a part of this. Absolutely. Thing yes. too. So Adele, our, um, our savior. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so my mom, you're in pain all the time. Like I took you to the hospital like a couple of yes. times. Cause I was like, screw this. Yeah. This is your I had that strange because my lung was so badly damaged. Oh, that yeah. weird noise. I had this weird noise. Yeah. And oh. I had it all the time. Um, and it would just, I didn't connect it that it was after I ate, which is interesting because I didn't connect, make that, ever, never made that connection. But I, I would breathe and my lungs sounded like 
like I was farting. <laughs> like it was. It was seven. like a fart noise. It was, oh, it was like a, a gurgle. It was a gurgle. Yeah, like it a, was like this. Weird... And it was loud. You could hear it across the room. Oh, yeah. It, it was, was disgust. Like it was really unnatural yes. sounding. Like yeah. I want to say disgusting, but it's like you couldn't control it. It was just happening. It wasn't your fault. But it was like, oh my god. Yeah. What's going on in there? Anyways, okay. So five years later. Yeah. Well, last January. Uh, last so, January. Yeah. Like almost four? a year ago now. Was it four or five years afterwards? Yeah, it was four years after four the accident. Four years after the accident? Yeah. So you're... I'm actually in BC again. Oh, no, yeah. I was in Alberta. I was in Alberta. It was in January. Yeah. Um, and you had this pain. Yes. I woke up one morning on a Friday morning, four o'clock in the morning. I had this terrible, terrible pain in my chest, basically, and in my left shoulder. Okay. And it was excruciating, and it, you know, it just didn't go away. It didn't go away. So finally, I got... Gary to take me to um, the Kempville Hospital. I spent 24 hours there. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. They gave me every test that they could. They thought I had um, um, pancreatitis. They they tried. They ruled out everything. They couldn't figure out what it was. And nothing that they gave me helped this pain. Like nothing made it go away. So did they give you an IV? Like were they like? Oh yeah. They gave me. They gave me heart. Big heart. Nothing. No. It was awful. And then they sent you home. They sent me home. They said, there's nothing we can do. We can't find anything wrong with you. So, and was it... Did you call me then? Do you remember? Or was it, did you call me before you went to Kempville? Uh, I might have. I don't know. I, ended, I was in Kempville for 24 hours. So yeah. I came home Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, I suffered all day. Like, And I think yeah. I might have talked to you guys in the afternoon on Saturday just saying, like, I'm dying. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm in terrible pain. Yeah. And on Sunday morning, you called me. And you told me that Adele had called you yeah. and told you to tell me to go to the thoracic unit of the general hospital. Yes. And I said, I, uh, I don't like the general. I'm not going to go there. So I did not take your advice, Adele's advice. I, advice. I ended up going to the Civic. Yeah, so I'm just going to fill in the blank there. So I was really concerned and I, um, Adele, my spiritual Yoda... Um, she does, she connects with energies. She, I asked her to sort of tap into your energy and like, just see it. What's the severity of what was going on? Because you were in so much pain for so long. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I wasn't there and I'm like, uh, (laughs) um, so she, that's what she told me. She's like, get her to the general right now. She yeah. needs to go to, to the, the thora- general. To the thoracic unit. Yes, at the general. And yes. I was like, okay. So I called you. I'm like, go to the general. And you were like, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm going to go to the civic. the civic. So that's what I did. So yeah. she went to the civic hospital. We're talking about hospitals in Ottawa. I want, I, the reason I wanted to go to the civic too was because they had all my records from my initial accident. Yeah, so that's they where you went had after your x-rays initial. and yeah. all my tests and everything else that I'd had. In the, in the initial accident. Yeah. I was there all day. At 8 o'clock at night, I met with the doc, one of the merge docs, and he said, you know, we can't really find anything. We're going to send you home. And I started to cry, and I said, did you check my other x-rays, like, from four years ago? And he said he did, but he had a weird look in his face, and I think he was lying. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so he said, you know what, go to the waiting room, and I'm going to check something. He says, I'll, and I'll get back to you. So I went back out in the waiting room, and a half an hour later, they sent me. He called me back in, and he saw, he saw something. He saw something. Like a differential a di- from, yes, from he saw today something. to four years That's ago. Right. 
So remember, I'd been to a hospital twice because I've had in the in yeah. the four yeah. years because I had this pain yeah. before, but it, it didn't last for for three days like it had been by the sun, by Sunday yeah. night. Yeah. I'd been in excruciating pain since Friday four a.m. Right, so they did a CAT scan, and that's when they realized that I had. A terrible thing had happened and what had happened which I think happened shortly after my accident was that I had a, a hole in my diaphragm and my stomach which had, was likely caused by a broken rib or who it was on one of my ribs was horribly misshapen the yeah. doctor said it was basically shaped like a unicorn like a spiral like a spiral yeah so he so um I had a hole in my diaphragm. My stomach had gone through the hole in my diaphragm. So, so, so picture this: diaphragm is underneath the lungs. That's right. Support, and your stomach is like kind of in right between. underneath, yeah. sort of right yeah. there, underneath. So, the my stomach went through that hole, kind of upside down, over into the left hand side of my lung, where my lung is, and my stomach and my lung had grown together. They were actually fused together. So the problem that had happened was... And, and, and sorry, sorry. They were fused together because your stomach had gone through the diaphragm so long ago... That's that right. it was like too... Attached. It was attaching itself just naturally it grew growing together. together. Yes. yes. So that's why when I would have those... When I would breathe in that sound was actually my stomach gurgling, not my lung. Right. Right. But it was where your lung is. That's right. So yeah. that's why you thought it was your lung. Why that's the heck right. wouldn't you? Exactly. Okay, so I need to just say, I need to fill in one blank here because you were sick that week and you were throwing up. That's right. I had the flu. You had the flu. So that throwing up must have... It it twisted my stomach. And so their fear was that my stomach, the circulation had gone from uh, the blood supply had had been compromised to my stomach and they felt that my stomach um, had died. And they thought they were going to have to remove my whole stomach. Right. Right. So for four years, you've been living and eating and digesting food with your stomach attached to your lung. That's right. Now all <laughs> upside, upside down. Upside down, attached, attached to your my, lung. Yeah. And you had no idea. And now they're figuring all this out and your stomach might be dying and you're like, holy crap. And they say, we can't do this type of surgery here. We need to, to, to take, take you, you to, to the, the general. Th- the thoracics unit of the general. That's right. So at three o'clock in the morning, they did a big emergency surgery. It was like assemble the team, yeah, right? It was a team of 20, 20 doctors, nurses, etc. Oh, a fantastic team. They they uh, basically they ended up removing a rib, um, and they cut my lung and my stomach apart and put everything back where it's supposed to be and fixed my diaphragm and. That's that. So, <laughs> and that's that. And that's that. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! It's okay. So again, the, the the siblings, the kids assembled, and we were like, "Oh my God!" Our mothers, "Oh my God!" Can you believe this? We were like freaking out on the in the group text chat. But this time was a little bit less like serious. That's it was right. just more painful for you. It was pretty serious, but like, it wasn't. It wasn't as life-threatening. Wasn't like, like, right. Yeah, exactly. that, that's what I should say. It wasn't yeah. life-threatening um, yeah. so much as. Um, or maybe it was, but right. we were we were delusional about that. We were like, okay, she can get through this one. <laughs> and then you were in hospital for how long? Uh, about a week. And okay. Yeah. And it, again, the recovery was was much easier than for my first uh, time around. But again, it oh, it, go, it goes to show you once again that life is just so precious. It really, really is. And uh, I just find that I try to approach every day with 
total joy and and um, love every second because you just don't know when it's when 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 your time's up as you know and that, and I think that's what sort of the yin and yang of life is that that there's always death around the corner and right. so let's let's just live it and make it as as wonderful as we can so when you were going into surgery for the second time did you um were you afraid not at all like not at all no for nobody for I was totally unafraid yeah yeah I think also part of the reason was I'd been in such acute pain for three days I couldn't bear it. One of the things I, I did that did cross my mind is that any at end of life, if if uh, if anybody suffering that the amount of pain that I suffered during that three days, I really I don't know that I could have I don't know how much longer I could have born it. I don't know what the bear you couldn't bore. bear it. <laughs> I couldn't bear it. Yeah. And there was no drug that would stop it. There were no drugs that would stop it. Yeah. Nothing. Like I like had was it morphine. worse was it the worst pain of your whole life? The worst life? pain in my life. Like yes. worse than labor. Worse than, worse than anything that I'd ever experienced in my life because it, it was relentless. It didn't stop. So I didn't sleep for 3 days. I like I didn't sleep. I didn't I couldn't eat. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. Yeah. I was just I just wanted to scream and nothing nothing helped. And I asked the doctor that actually. I said, like, what? Why was I in such terrible pain? And he said, well, it, picture because my stomach was constricted, I guess, and how it had twisted. What he said was, oh yeah. And, and by the way, the aftermath of that was that my stomach did recover, and they didn't, they it not, it, they didn't have to cut any parts of it off. Right. Which was, so you're totally. Yeah, I'm totally. You're good. I'm good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but he said, if you put a rubber band around your finger, it's going to kill you, and the only thing that's going to help is to cut the rubber band. So the only the only thing that was going to help my pain was to have the surgery and have right have things put back as they should be. I know? mean, I of course that's yeah. so. So, um, you and I have a lot of discussions all the time um, about life and about these types of things and lessons and stuff, and we bounce ideas back off like back and forth to each other. But I kind of want to know. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but what is, with all the things you've overcome, with all the things you've learned, how you've learned them, like, what is your biggest hook? What do you go back to? Still. Still. Like, is there one? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do we want to talk about it? Maybe you can pick number two. (laughs) Second choice. (laughs) Like, like what gets you gets your like blood boiling what do you take personally um where's the fear what's the fear there you know what i mean i think on in all honesty i i don't i try not to take it and maybe the biggest one would be my mom things my mom says to me yeah because uh we have my mom lives with us. Gary's yeah. a saint. I, I tell this to people all over the place. My husband is Saint Gary. Because my mom is just for like having, having suffered all the things that she has um, from the war, etc. And losing my dad because it affected her very profoundly. They had been married almost 60 years. So she basically just wanted to lie down in the grave with them. Unfortunately... She's still, I mean, fortunately, she's in very good health. <laughs> but and unfortunately, unfortunately her wishes didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. She, every day she's, she prays to die, like, which is sort of sad, you know? Yeah. So it makes me sad. So I try not to take that personally. And I, um, we do the best that we can by her 
um, and have and, and having I think things have gotten a lot better since she moved in with us because it was difficult when she was on her own um, because she basically just sat in a room by herself yeah, yeah. so we have interaction and so on but um, I, it's hard for me not to take it personally yes that, that she doesn't want to live you yeah. know and I can't make it better for her I'm a fixer and I that's yeah. one of the things that I have to try to curtail in my life because I want to f- make everyone happy you yeah. know yeah yeah and so that would be my one of one of the big hooks I live with yeah. today very good yeah <laughs> but I don't cry anymore I, I actually noticed that. I yes. I noticed that as I was growing up, like th- something changed with you for sure. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. like, how does reflecting on this story? Because I I don't I bet you haven't told the story in a long time. It's no. probably been a while since a while. we've talked about the old horse kicking. Yes. Like, does it bring stuff up to, for you? Like, does it bring up any emotion, or is it? Are you detached from the whole? Um, it's still, it's, there's still a fear, you know, like, um, I realized, for example, um, this past summer we, we, I took my horse camping, (laughs) which was a blast. And, you know, he, he is very calm. Like he would never kick me. The the scenario that happened with, with Frankie would never happen again with this particular horse. Although you can never say never, but seriously, like he's just not the type of horse that would kick kick me like that. And, and in the camping scenario, they're in sort of a little, a small paddock that's yeah. like a, like a bigger than a stall, but not as big as a sort of a running around type of paddock. And he, um, had, a um, a bot fly, which is kind of like a big bee wasp type of bug was. Oh, a bot fly. That's a bot, the name it's called of- a bot fly. Yeah. Oh. They're ugly. They're really ugly. And, um, it was biting him. Like they usually go for the horse testicles or penis. Yeah. Like, well, I, should, I don't know if I should say that in a podcast. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's anyway, not. So like, and he, he started like kicking out, like he was in his paddock. He started kicking. He, pa- he was panicking. He yeah. was in a panic state. Right. And I was calming. But what happened was it, it, that spawned triggered. the fear. Yeah. It triggered the fear. It came back full blown. Yeah. And, um, so it, and, and I didn't realize that it did because, because I was so uncomfortable because I went into panic as well. Yeah. Cause what am I going to do? Like, how, how do I stop? Like, how do I get rid of this fly? I can't go in there. I can't go yeah, in yeah, with yeah, them, yeah, you yeah. know? So it was an interesting scenario. I did get over it. And, um, um, I realized that, that it was that his whole panic kicking action that triggered that in me. But it's, it's that panic is contagious, right? Like even if you're with a human being who's panicking, <laughs> sure, uh, say yeah. somebody like for you or somebody on the ski hill, if they're panicked, I don't know. So yeah. So it, it, that trigger, it probably will always be there to some degree. Yeah. But again, I've, uh, I've managed to overcome. Amazing. Yeah. So what, because like this story is just such a, uh, it's a very personal story to me. I mean, yeah. it's fascinating though uh, to other people listening. Like I'm sure people listening are like fascinated, like, holy crap, that happened to you. But those types of things and like watching your mom or a family member or someone you love or whatever going through all of this and then coming out the other side with like a different perspective. It's like one of the most brilliant, beautiful things. Like that is also 
contagious. Like that's something that like rubs off on us in a positive way too. Like even though we had our own fears about it, because no one wants to think about losing their mother or their father or a loved one. Like I know it happens every single day and people just get it's through inevitable. it. It's inevitable. <laughs> it's inevitable. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. But like to go through it and have that like um I don't know if it's if I should say a wake up call. Is that a good way to say it's it? It's absolutely a wake up call. Yeah. It certainly was for me. Yeah. You know, like yeah. You don't want to waste all your time. You don't want to waste time. You don't want to waste your time. No. And sometimes like for me like Yes. Uh, so I, in my journey of self-development or whatever, as I truly start to appreciate and love myself, I fill my time with things that I love to do. And I yes. think you you absolutely, I do, absolutely that do that too. Yes. With your passions for riding. Now you ride Sterling, your new new your new horse. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he seems to be like your. Um, He's like a mind. He's, he's like, like your he's, your yeah. drug. He's your yeah. addicted. He's yeah. your soulmate. He's, my he's joy. your yeah. joy. Mm-hmm. And like he is to you what you know running and skiing is to me. So yes. even though I can't ride or even go to the barn with you because I'm allergic to horses, yes. <laughs> I can still like see the joy and like we can have discussion about things that make you feel good and that's pretty sweet. Right. And it's 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 cool because like it's a good influence on us and it's a good it's a good example and um yeah like you you're a very strong woman and I don't and you you suffer a lot of the time or you suffered a lot of the time in silence like you didn't when you were in super crazy pain you weren't pulling everybody down like oh I'm I feel so bad today oh I'm, I'm in pain help me or you know you weren't that baby Lala person you would just kind of deal with it and yeah. then um obviously everyone's pretty happy that your stomach is detached from your lung now <laughs> yes. and you don't <laughs> you know you don't make gurgle noises <laughs> because oh god um but yeah that's that's really cool that's yeah. really cool that being said I think I I learned a lot from you today and I think that that is where you know we should we should end the story and continue another time because there are so many more things that you've um you've done with your life that are unbelievable um I'll just give a tiny 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 little one and you and I have talked about this cuz we're going to talk about eating and about yes. weight loss and about our weight loss addiction. journey addiction <laughs> um carbs <laughs> yeah exactly chips french fries yeah. um but just a little fun fact everyone my mom started the keto diet about 4 months ago and she's lost 30 pounds or is it over 30 pounds now no it's 30 30 pounds so proud so great we'll definitely talk about that soon because there's it's awesome it's awesome what's happening it's awesome what's going on and this momentum that we have within the family and like our our group chats right now like with the kids like the fam jam group chat yeah is like the best absolutely it's so fun it's like the most fun thing because like I said before, or maybe I didn't say this, but we all, all the kids live in different cities. I'm the only one that lives in Ottawa with like in the same city as you. Yes. So we communicate via group fam jam texting and it's yes. awesome. Anyways, I'm babbling. I'm babbling. So mom, 
Thank you for coming on the show today and sharing that insane story. Thank you. My pleasure, Elisa. Is there anything else you want to say? Like, just did anything else come up or are you... No, I think I'm good. I just want to sort of emphasize with your listeners. Um, well, number one, I love listening to you too. I've listened to obviously all your podcasts. Yeah, biggest and fans. Biggest fans. We are, we are each other's fans, I think, all the time. But I'm certainly a supporter of, of all your endeavors. And I love your ability to coach um, all of us around you because you're a shining example of how to live a, a life well lived. And uh, that's what I, what I like to do as well. So, yay. Well, love you to bits. <laughs> love you to bits. Okay. Well, until next time, mom. Okay. Okay. So that's all for today. That was so fun. I want to give a huge thanks to my mom for sharing her traumatic experience with us and also for sharing some of her biggest life lessons. I am so proud to be your daughter. You are such a cool woman and I look forward to doing this again. It's amazing. If you have not done so yet, please go to Apple Podcasts, that's iTunes, and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Have a lovely day, everyone. Until next time.